Well, I'm, I'm not really sure if I'm going to... Okay, or... here we go, guys. Um, okay. My name is Libby Halevi, and we are talking on Tuesday, June 14th, 2011. And uh, the purpose of this call is to discuss the nuclear issues that are going on in the world. Um, I have a particular interest in this because I uh, was at Three Mile Island when it happened. I was one mile away. That was back in 1979. And ever since, I have been acutely aware of what's going on with, with the nuclear industry. Maybe not completely conversant. There are times I avoided the information completely. But certainly, since Fukushima on March 11th of this year, uh, I have been absorbed in what's going on the information that's out there, the various ramifications it's having, the lack of information that is getting to most people, and what it is that we need to do in order to maintain our health, maintain our sanity, and do something to turn around the nuclear situation so that we're no longer being um, subjected to the dangers of having a dirty bomb in our backyard. Um, there are a lot of directions I could go with this, but I think where I would like to focus is to let you know that this is about sparking an activist response. Um, a lot of times online we get all excited and we sign petitions and we forward videos and we say, oh, look at this, oh, isn't this, isn't this upsetting, oh, isn't this terrible, and then it all dies down and goes away and nothing has translated into action in the analog world, in the physical world. It's just been a brouhaha online. So what I would like to do is address this from a perspective of what can we do to take action, small steps leading to larger steps that can put an activist response into the world so we can start turning this thing around. So having said that, is uh, there are some people on this call live. Is there anything you would like to do to identify yourself or bring forth any particular information? Well, uh, this is Wanda, and I, for one, was quite interested in the process happening um, in Omaha, Nebraska, because mm -hmm. that and, and with the flooding going on even above it in uh, South Dakota, so it is right in our backyard. Well, this is, I think, our opportunity. I mean, it's horrible to think of it this way, but at least the nuclear issue is back in front of Americans. Um, mm -hmm. because of the corporate media manipulation and the power of the nuclear industry and the fear of the governments involved, we haven't been getting straight information here in the United States about what's been going on in Japan. There are alternative sources that I can turn people onto that are available online that are highly reputable and not sensationalistic at all, but really information-based. Um, but... The key here is that it's now happening in the middle of our heartland with the potential to wipe out an entire swath of the middle of the country. And uh, that's got people's attention right now. And if they weren't aware of the danger before, they certainly are now. The question is, what do we do with this moment of opportunity to bring the issues out into the open to make the changes the need for change visible. And I don't have answers. I've got questions. I've got thoughts. So feel free to jump in. Okay, I was waiting for your answers, Libby. 
I mean, this is a whole new issue. I had a whole other agenda figured out for the call, and then this happened. So there are a number of things. First of all, you're saying that it is being shown on television. They are following this closely on TV. Uh, I don't have a TV. I saw it on uh, YouTube. Interesting. That's where I saw it, too. Tim, where did you – you don't have a tele, uh, TV set either, do you? <laughs> no, I, no I, I gave that up about a year ago. And like I say, I just saw it on today, um, online, on uh, Facebook, on YouTube. and. Um, okay. So the heartland of the United States right now is facing a nuclear disaster. And one that's not going to go away, because once it's in the water, it's everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we were to take an action, or to take action, to make people aware that we, this has to change now, boy, there are so many things that we could be doing. I think, one, um, I mean, there's going to be outrage for a while, and then the media is going to try and damp it down and say, oh, it's not really that bad. They will lie about the the, um, uh, measurements, because it's turning out now that TEPCO in Japan just in the last week said, gee, the radiation that was released in the the first week was actually twice as bad as we said it was. So they've been fudging the numbers all around. There's no reason to think that the numbers aren't going to be fudged here. For them to only be fudged uh, two times sounds too low to me. Pardon? It sounds like they, if they're saying that they're twice as high as we first reported, even saying twice as high sounds like it's too low for them. For me, for me, it's probably a hundred times worse than they're telling us. Of course it is. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the posting that I did today, but there's actually there are actually videos out of a rabbit, baby rabbit that was born uh, in proximity to Fukushima, and that ha- was born without ears. Yes. So we're talking about mutations showing up already. And it was it was very funny because in the article that, sad funny, in the article that I read that was connected with uh, the video, um, it, it was from England, uh, the quote-unquote experts were saying, well, you know, a certain amount of mutation is normal in any, uh, in any mammal. And uh, by the way, did you know that mother rabbits often chew the ears off their babies in over-aggressive grooming? Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it's like there's an assumption of absolute stupidity. And here's part of the problem, as I see it, with people responding. They're in overwhelm. You know, the adrenal response is known as being fight or flight. There's the third one, which is the one in the middle, which is freeze. Mm -hmm. And that is the one that I believe most people are in because they're being triggered in very deep, unresolved issues of their life. I'm going to take a sidebar here for a moment. I will self-disclose, I am a sexual abuse survivor. It started very early in childhood, and I suppressed it in amnesia until I was in my early to mid-30s when I began a a recovery journey and began uncovering the things that had happened to me. As I have come to realize the reaction of people who have been abused, because it happens when we're so small and we have so few ways to respond, we freeze. You know, the little kid holds the breath, closes the eyes, and pretends it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Or they're talked out of it. 
I believe the same dynamic is being used to convince us to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, to not take seriously the dangers that are being posed by by nuclear energy. Um, saying nothing of the nuclear bombs that are out there. That I I can't get into that part of the equation. I'll stick with just nuclear reactors and nuclear energy. When you compute the number of adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse, the general guidelines within the recovery community is that one out of every three girls and one out of every five boys were sexually abused at least once before the age of 18, which sets up this fear response and the shutting down and the freezing, and there are many other ways that it shows up. In the fact that many of the behaviors of perpetrators towards abused children are the same as what the governments and the experts are using against those of us who are trying to protest or raise our voices against nuclear energy. I think there's a vast population that is being triggered back into the childhood response. Remember, one in three females, one in five males, and that's generally considered to be conservative. That's a huge population that automatically goes numb because they haven't healed that particular circuit. Somebody in a position of power or authority says, oh, no, you're making too big a thing out of it. You don't know what you're talking about. That didn't really happen. It's nowhere near that bad, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's the exact same dynamic. Now, in the recovery community, incest, which is the political term for it, is the word that is used to cover... Um, any abuse, that t- violence against a child that takes a sexual form and is performed by somebody in a p- position of power or authority over that child. Now, with just a slight tweak in wording, we have nuclear energy is a crime of power over every man, woman, and child on the planet that takes a nuclear radiational form. And it's committed by those people who are supposed to be given the right to take care of us and keep us safe. So there's a betrayal of trust that goes on. The usual response to that betrayal of trust is just to shut down completely. And I believe that's what's happening in this country because all of a sudden our country is not, is not taking care of us. We're not getting honest information. Now some of us may be politically aware enough to know that that's been the way it's been for a long time. But it's one thing to know that in theory and another thing to see it playing out on a day-by-day, practically minute-by-minute basis now. I'm looking at a picture right now of um, uh, the nuclear reactor in Nebraska, um, Fort Calhoun. Um, So anyway, given that that is what we're up against, the power to turn this around for the country and for anti-nuclear activism, I believe, is the same that is used by sexual abuse survivors, incest survivors, when we finally turn around and say we're not going to run away from our history anymore, we have to face the truth and we have to heal. And the way that turnaround happens is with the initial admission, I'm scared because it has a magnitude that feels overwhelming. But by being able to admit to the fear of what is going on and share it with at least one other person, That's the start of the process of turning this around. Mm -hmm. And from there, after engaging in the conversation, finding one small piece to do to empower 
ourselves, even if the empowerment seems to be an illusion, to actually follow that 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 little piece of empowerment and do it. For example, um, this is maybe a silly one, but I think it's something that has the potential to catch on. And that is, I wrote a while ago about the fact that ice, meaning ice in our drinks, is really an inappropriate use of, I was at that point focusing on oil, that ice is oil. I even wrote an article about it that I think about 12 people in the country have ever read. Um, but it's that when we take, ice is just there to regulate a temperature of a drink, and uh, that ice melts and goes away. In the process, it has taken energy to create the ice. Then the ice melts, the temperature goes back up, and what's been gained? Absolutely nothing. A man in Israel once berated me for wanting ice in my drink. He said, we go to war over oil in this country. Why should I go to war over the temperature of the beverage that I'm drinking? So one part, they say we can't live without nuclear energy. I don't think we can live with nuclear energy. So we need to find ways to cut back on our usage of energy. It's a real simple tiny, empowering step to, first of all, refuse ice, especially for drinks like in fast food restaurants. I mean, it's already freezing cold. You give yourself a slushy with the ice. But to refuse ice and then say to at least one person around you, I'm not using ice because it takes energy to make ice. Nuclear reactors are being used to make some of that energy. I want to do away with nukes. So my first step is simply not using ice. So that part of the energy is no longer needed. It's tiny, it's infinitesimal, but you know, a one and a one and a one and a one, and it starts adding up. It becomes that one step of empowerment. That's my thinking. Does this even make sense to you guys? Absolutely. I, I You said it, uh, it, it takes one small voice, and... Um then people will start to see what you're talking about, and I think it will really catch on like that. Well, the potential is there. So, okay, I'm a coach, and I would ask each of you, are you willing to take the commitment, first of all, to forego ice in your beverages? Well, I have another question for you before you take that question. Okay, all right. Um, because you're talking about energy, is nuclear energy used for our... Um, heating in some way of our homes or heating ovens to cook food? Depends on what kind of oven. I mean, I've got a gas oven. I mean, that's okay. a gas stove, so no, nuclear is not used there. Would it be used in electrical ovens? Yes, it's used to generate electricity. So any place okay. we can cut back on electricity is a place where we are stepping back from the dependence we have had on nuclear. Okay, for me, myself, I, I could not make the commitment to give up ice only because I don't use it, but when I use it, I want it. Mm -hmm. uh, I would make the commitment to stop using my um, oven. I don't have a microwave anymore, and uh, I've been thinking about getting a sun oven to cook my food with solar for a long time, and so this would be a good time to make the commitment toward that. And I feel like, for me, that would have a bigger impact than giving up the ice I want to use once in a while. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Now, here's my next question. Would you be willing to mention it to, I don't know, one person a day? 
You mean as, as far as the ice or the solar? Energy? No, 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 the solar. I'm, I'm talking about your commitment that you've decided to do this because. Oh yeah, if I'm in public, I would sure. Okay. So, so you would be willing to, if you are in public on a daily basis, mention this to one person. If it's appropriate, absolutely. And what would be appropriate? Well, I don't want to just come out of left field and, and make a statement like that. But yes, it's something that I would feel that I would be very happy to share and tell them the benefits of a solar oven. So yes, I suppose I could. Cool. Cool. I'll take that as a commitment. Okay. What about you, Tim? Well, I I don't I don't use ice at the moment, anyways. Um, but I've been thinking about other ways that, uh, like Wanda was saying, um, I gave up the microwave oven because that doesn't fit into my eating plan anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I I unplug any kind of electronics that I'm not using anymore. So I'm just trying to. Trying is a bad word, but I'm doing the best I can with my knowledge at the moment and looking for better ways to do it. And, yes, I would mention it to people when I'm out in public. And like uh, Wanda said, um, you know, I I don't think I just blurted it out, but in a conversation, you know, a couple-minute conversation, I would say, you know, hey, you know, we can all make a difference if we do a little at a time. Mm -hmm. Terrific. uh, Yeah. Because here's the thing. Information spreads, change spreads at the speed of thought. And by sharing our thoughts, those of us who have some awareness and some stability and aren't being freaked out to the point of being inactive, if we can do these little things, it's a start. So this is something that we can do to bring into the community and make doable. Here's another thought. Um, uh, One of the things I found and posted today was about the fact that uh, Italy has voted um, to disband nuclear, to just not not only no new ones, but get rid of the old ones, too. And while the financial people are saying, oh, this is a disaster and blah, 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 the people voted. And as somebody pointed out to me, that's right, the people got to vote. So I don't know about Massachusetts. I don't know about any of the other states, but I know here in California there is, we have, you know, the, the, we can do the referendums. We can do, um, what is proposition. And I, do you know any, Wanda, do you know anything about how to put a proposition together? I do not. Okay. Well, let's, I'm going to post on Facebook and see if anybody knows anybody knows anybody with the, you know, six plus degrees of separation about how we get a proposition going. Because that's what it was in Italy. Nice. I think that's an excellent idea. Okay. So when I post that, will, will you guys just, you know, forward it out? Because I don't – do you have a, uh, any kind of a referendum or a, a proposition um, kind of component uh, in Massachusetts these days? Uh, we do. I'm not real familiar with the process, so I would have to myself check into it, but um, I'm sure I could find out. Sure. Yeah. Let, let's just – you know, a lot of this is just sharing information. I know I have been desperate to get into the conversation on this subject with the information that that I have found. Um, I mean, there's holistic healing. There's actually a plant you can get that that uh, changes color if it, if radiation is happening. Um, uh, it, it's called spider wart, and it's spider W O R T. 
Okay. If it uh, if it's exposed to radiation, the uh, stamen, which is usually blue because it's a blue or a purplish flower, it turns pink. Wow. Okay. okay. I don't know that we have that kind of danger right now, but there there's a ton of of like little snippets of information that I've managed to get. I mean, I mean, there's the big picture, and then there's the tiny picture, and all of it needs to be paid attention to because we never know who's going to be able to jump in on what piece of this. Um, I certainly can only do what I am capable of doing, but that's in gathering information, reaching out, proposing questions, and seeing what kind of answers might come forward. That's what I can bring to this mix to start creating a format for this information to go out into the world. And whatever anybody else's piece of this is, that's fine. You get to define it for yourself. All I ask is that action be taken on a daily basis, no matter how small. Okay. Okay. Um, are you going to be having another forum like this? Because I think you posted it this morning, and it may not have, uh, a lot of people may not have seen it, or they already had other commitments. Here's the thing. I was intentionally shy about this. I was intentionally very circumspect about it. Um, I've been thinking about doing this for about two months. And a part of me has been terrified and been going, well, you have to make it perfect and you have to make it broadcast quality and you have to do this and blah, 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 and all of that. And um, last week I took a five-day retreat up to Sequoia, totally unplugged, just couldn't get, didn't even try to get a signal. Because a friend of mine berated me, I took my computer up, I never even took it out of the car. So I was completely unplugged, had five days in nature to just clear my brain and get in touch with whatever was there for me to get in touch with. I do this a couple of times a year. And the piece that came to me was, you're going to do a call this Tuesday, and it's going to be imperfect. It will be perfectly imperfect. And don't worry about it, just put it up. So in a very shy and circumspect way, I put this up here because this step of being visible and being my tiny step out there has had me frightened into inactivity. Mm. And so just the fact that I'm here, that I have you two good people on with me, has helped me take this step. And yes, I am, this is this may be a little bit late in the day for me, uh, just because I, you know, with East Coast and other things and certain commitments that come up for me in the evening. Six o'clock may be a little too late. I'm thinking of making it either five o'clock or four o'clock, but making it on Tuesdays and uh, then broadcasting the information a little more broadly to get people on who can engage. I also. I'm going to look for people to interview, and I've already got some some doozies. Um, One of them is a woman who I met recently who, um, at seven years old, uh, she was living in Bulgaria or Romania, I forget which, and Chernobyl happened, and she was the first identified child victim of Chernobyl with thyroid disease. Mm. So she currently lives in the United States, and um, she's one of the people I want to interview. Okay, if you want... Okay, here's my tip of the week for the URL of the week. I think I'm going to make that a little feature. Just made this up. Okay, but my favorite terrifying website that is very calm, very fact-based, very refreshing in its honesty is called Fairwind. F is in Frank, A-I-R-E-W-I-N-D, and let me see if that is .org or... Uh, 
dot com. It's fairwind, fairwinds, plural, dot com. So F-A-I-R-E-W-I-N-D-S dot com. And uh, this is a site uh, that is put together by a nuclear engineer named Arnie Gunderson, who is my favorite person on the planet right now. Uh, and it's also produced by he, in conjunction with his wife, Marge. And he is someone who uh, has gone around and after nuclear accidents happen, he's the one who reconstructs exactly what happened, how much radiation got released, etc. Uh, he was also a high school teacher for about 15 years and very grandfatherly looking. So he's very calm, he's very clear in his communication, and he's talking about, you should pardon the expression, the scariest shit imaginable. But he's doing it in such a way that there's no panic, there's no overplaying. He is discussing the truth of what is out there from a scientific perspective. Um, they have a lot of videos that have been stockpiled uh, that he has done, he and his wife have done, and some of the interviews they've done uh, going back to right after Fukushima. And he's now one of the national experts that gets uh, called to talk whenever CNN wants somebody to give them information and they're open to getting the real stuff. Was he the same man that was interviewed on the uh, YouTube that you sent to Facebook today? Um, a gray-haired gentleman, kind of a little bit shaggy-haired and with blue eyes and a very calm demeanor and a bookcase in the background? Well, they they didn't show any picture of him, but he certainly was very calm about it. Uh, very... Let me see who I sent out uh, when I sent out. I sent out a lot of them today. Oh, that's okay, Libby. That's. I was just curious. Yeah, well, I will be sending sending out more links. Um, no, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing any interview that I sent out um, with 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 Arnie on it. But he he's currently my favorite human being on the planet um, because he makes it understandable. He doesn't exaggerate, but he's he was the one who nailed the fact that um, Reactor Three had a nuclear explosion. Wow. Okay. Uh, here's just another piece. I'll, okay, two more pieces, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll get off my soapbox for tonight. Um, but here's one of them that I got through uh, one of uh, one of the uh, Arnie Gunderson um, uh, videos when he was explaining things. Um, he showed the film multiple times of the explosion in Reactor Three, and uh, he said that it shot used fuel rods which contain plutonium, no matter what the source fuel was at the beginning, by the time the fuel rods uh, are used up and no longer useful, they all have plutonium in them. It shot the plutonium rods two miles into the atmosphere wow. where the particles were nanoized and they became part of the, the, the drift cloud. This was when the, uh, the plume went out, yeah. but it was in the upper atmosphere where the particles then precipitated... I forget if I got it from him or somebody who his wife was interviewing. It might have been Marco. I forget Marco's last name. It begins with a K. Um, but that the particles then precipitated either rain or snow. Because, you know, the, the, in order for the moisture to come to earth, it has to form around some, some particulate. So a lot of this radioactive matter then that was drifting across the ocean and coming to the United States precipitated either rain or snow became part of the snowpack in the Sierras and is now melting into our water supply. Wow. Okay? That's one of the things. Here's another piece that just blows me away because it's a lie by telling the truth. 
And that's when uh, the false assurances came. Well, you know, the uh, the iodine-131 has a half-life of uh, eight days. Well, yes, and people think, okay, after eight days, it's, oh, it's done. It's, I don't have to worry about it anymore. But note that the term is half-life. What it means is that in that eight days, it becomes half as toxic as it was in the beginning. But it's yeah. still toxic. Yeah. I found out by talking to a nuclear engineer who lives locally here in the greater Los Angeles area that the way to figure out how long any radiation is toxic is to take the half-life and run it through 10 cycles. In other words, take the time, multiply by 10, and you're starting to have an accurate picture of how long that particular kind of radiation is still viable as a threat to health. Now, with iodine-131, um, eight days, so you multiply that by ten, that's 80 days, so that's uh, two and two-thirds months after Fukushima. That brings it to April, May. That's approximately June 1st, and that's just from the stuff that was released on the first day. So well, that's still active. Now, I forget which one it is. I think it's it, it's cesium, but please don't quote me on this. I don't recall, but one of them has a half-life of 300 years. Oh, my gosh. You multiply that by 10, you've got 3,000. Then, plutonium, the big boy in the room. Plutonium has a half-life of 24,000 years. That's how long it takes for it to become half as toxic as it is right now. So you multiply that by 10, and actually with those numbers it takes more than 10, but let's just say 10, that's 240,000 years. Mm. So what this speaks to to me, and the thing that has haunted me from the start, is that I believe that in all honesty the nature of life on Earth just changed. Yeah. I believe, and it scares me to even say this and put this out, but this is what has been haunting me, and I, I need to get it out there, that... We live in a time that a science fiction book would refer to as that time when everything had already changed, only people were too scared, too ignorant, or too arrogant to understand, and they pretended and acted as if everything was still normal when it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to do this. I don't even know what this is, but I'm willing to hang out with the process, make it available, make it a little more visible next time around maybe, uh-huh. and um, do my little bit. Do my one person a day. Do my no ice in my drinks, and whatever else I can do to get the word out and help raise people's awareness that we do not need to panic. We do need to act. And by admitting to the fear and turning around and finding one small thing to do every day, we will get, begin the process of empowerment and change. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, just what interests me and certainly would motivate me to act even more was just the statistics that you were just giving that's very powerful information. Yeah. Yeah, I this this is part of the the ebook that I've been writing. 
Mm-hmm. But you see, but there you know there's also possible remediation out there. Uh, Paul Stamets, S T A M E T S, uh, is an expert on mushrooms, and mushrooms eat can eat radiation. They can remediate the soil of toxicity and heavy metal poisoning and also radiation. And um, you can find him, you, just Google the guy, he's, he's fabulous. He did one of the TED Talks. Are you familiar with the TED Talks? Yeah. T-E-D? Okay, great. Uh, I'm, I, I'm on the steering committee for TEDx Pasadena, which is a locally produced, uh, an independently produced TED event. And um, so I've gotten very involved with the, with the TED community. But um, I saw him first on a TED Talk about remediation of heavy, of heavy metals in toxic soil. And uh, right after Fukushima, he came out with an email that went around that found its way to me about how to use mushrooms to remediate in Fukushima once the immediate danger is over, which, of course, it isn't. It's still leaking today. So how do you spell his name again, maybe? S is in Sam, T is in Tom, A, M like Mary, E, T like Tom, S like Sam. Okay. And his first name's Paul. And he does a, if you go on TED, you can see a really great video he does that's about, it, it's called uh, micro-remediation. It's mushroom remediation of soil. This was about heavy metals, but he's since come across with, it, with this other information, too. Thank you. Okay. Well, this, this uh, talk has certainly... Um, ignited me to start taking more steps toward doing something about it. Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I believe that I'm going to be doing this on Tuesdays. Uh, I will. Po- I know both of you are now friended with me on Facebook, so um, I may be creating a separate site if I can figure out how to do that. <laughs> Hello, Boomer Bloodite here. Um, and... Finding the way to get the information out, but I want to thank both of you for being. Oh, uh, Tim, did you have anything else that you wanted to say? No, no, you've said it very well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, and um, I want to thank both of you because it's been scary being alone with this and not being able to engage in the conversation, and that stopped me from taking action. And um, you've just helped me alleviate the part that had me stuck. So here's two more action, and um, let's start turning this around. One tiny action at a time, but if we all take it, it's amazing what we'll be able to do. You did a beautiful job, Lucy. Thank you. I'm actually going to post a link for this as soon as I figure out how to do that. (laughs) Me and my my, my boomer techie Luddite uh, uh, behavior. But anyway... Thank you very much, and uh, I will let you know uh, as to what time. There will be a call next Tuesday. I just have to figure out it will either be 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. It'll be an, it will be earlier than it was today, just so that it doesn't get in the way of other things in my life. Thanks, Libby. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Jim. Bye-bye. Okay.